0: Welcome to Iconic, where we talk about all things 13th Age. I'm your host, JM, and with me, as always, are Nick and Mark. Hey. Hello. Uh, we have a great show for you this week. We're going to be interviewing the two of the people behind the Escalation magazine, the fanzine for 13th
1: Age. But before we get into that, Nick, you have our new patron call-outs? Yes. Uh, Law has joined our patron patronage. Should I, should I include the last name? We've only done first name so far.
0: I think Ashlaw is fine. Okay. Because he is he is Ashlaw. Right.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, Ashlaw has joined our patronage, and uh, we are excited about having him backing us. Just an invitation that if you enjoy listening to the Iconic Podcast, and you would like to support the show, you, you can always join us by becoming a patron and getting some... Things like early access to our episodes and our outlines, and if you're back at the Iconic level, you can even join in a, in our monthly uh, online game. Which we are going to be doing our first one here in November with Ash, and it's going to be pretty fantastic, I hope. So if so. that if that piques your interest, head over to patreon.com slash Iconic Podcast and uh, join the show.
0: Right. So we have Tim and Sherm of Escalation, which is the 13th Age magazine. Gentlemen, welcome to Iconic.
2: Thank, Thank you. It's you great to be here.
0: Excellent. Let's just kind of start broad and kind of narrow down. How did how did you guys each get into
2: role playing games? I could start. Uh, when I was in elementary school, this was about uh, well, a long time ago, more, about three three decades plus ago, I watched my friends play Dungeons and Dragons. They'd use these little miniatures, and there was this great big tree at the edge of the the playground. And it had these gnarled roots that were the ground had eroded away from the roots, uh, and so it made this kind of cool, almost Dagobah looking root system down there. And they had these little minis, and they'd pull out the tape measures and roll these weird dice. And I always wanted to get involved, and my mom said no because. The satanic panic was very real in the 80s, and that was forbidden. So I just kind of looked from afar and uh, had to have a single tear down my eye. Uh, <laughs> several years later, when I was in junior high school, my best friend introduced me to this game called Heroes Unlimited. So it was a superheroes RPG from Palladium Books, and I didn't even realize that it was the same type of game as d and because I'd always associated d d with this miniatures experience, and here I was with this Theater of the Mind uh, game. So, And my mom allowed it because she said, yeah, she also didn't make that connection. It was superheroes. She was fine with me reading comic books and such. Uh, so that was what was my gateway into the hobby, and that was in the, the late 80s.
0: That was actually the first, like I may have played GURPS a couple of weeks before, but that was the first game that I ran was Heroes Unlimited. Oh, awesome. Yeah excellent just went just like we planned that's right (laughs) uh what about you uh that was tim yes yes okay what about you Sherm?
3: um similar story i began in like 1980 or 81 um i had just started junior high school and um i was the kid who always was always reading some science fiction book i wasn't very into science fiction at the time hadn't gotten into fantasy and um big comic book reader too um and i Met a kid who was big. He saw me reading a science fiction book, and you know, we just kids. We just become friends. Just started talking, and he said he had this game they play after school. Um, they had a little club, and he said he invited me to it. And I said, oh, eh, what the heck? Let's let's try this." This is my first year in junior high school, uh, to see if I can you know make some friends and see what's going on. Went there, and they were playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it was run by the the math teacher. It met every week, and that was my start. I started playing uh, basic D and D. And eventually he, uh, massaged it up, uh, up into a advanced d and demon. When, when all of it was out. Um, and yeah, I very remember the, uh, the, the satanic panic there, Tim, uh, my mother was similar, but for some reason she was like, okay, I'll just let him be a Satanist, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and she, uh, let me, uh, buy the books.
0: You can blame Tom Hanks and his movie on that. That's yeah. Right.
3: yeah. So, uh, what attracted you guys to the 13th age? I had been a big. I was a big fan of Fourth Edition, and yeah, I'll let those out there in the audience. Boo, it hits, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was a big, was a big, a big fan of Fourth Edition. It had actually had gotten me back into D i I'd been out of playing D D for a while and playing other games, and I picked it up and I just lo- I loved Fourth Edition as a game master. It was, it was an, it was an easy, uh, it was easy to run, uh, easy to set up. You could set up, set up these awesome, uh, big fights. They did come off wonderfully, and the players had a great time. Um, but eventually started looking into something with a little bit more storyful focus in it. And then 13th age came out and I somehow missed the Kickstarter for it. Um, but when it, it, when it actually came out, was available to the general public snagged it up, read it cover to cover, lo- loved it, loved the way it, way, it, way it read. I loved the idea of the characters and the, you know, one unique things. Um, and I just been a fan of it ever since and everything they've released for it has just made it better and stronger.
2: And I have a similar story. I had taken a long hiatus from RPGs after high school. And I started playing again. And 4th Edition was the current edition of d and uh, I actually had memories of not particularly loving Dungeons & Dragons when I was uh, playing. I eventually did get to play D&D in my later years in high school. And it wasn't my favorite system. But uh, when I had the opportunity to go ahead and get started, and then uh, I just fell in love with it. Uh, the, I actually liked that tactical part of the game, I like the character creation, uh, and maybe it was I was playing World of Warcraft at the time, so I think maybe that had something to do with it as well. There, there is certainly some similarities there. And when Wizards of the Coast announced that the edition was coming to an end, there were posts on the d forums that were related to this new game, 13th Age. So I bought the early escalation edition and it provided these draft rules. It's just like a Word document, no layout, no um, no images or anything, no, no art. And it was like Rob and Jonathan were mind readers. It's like they created this game that featured the things I liked about 4th edition while fixing the things that needed improvement. And I was just immediately hooked. I started incorporating concepts from 13th age into my D&D games as house rules because my players were very hesitant to switch to any other system. So I kind of started sneaking in one subsystem of 13th age at a time until about three, four months later, we were playing something that was closer to 13th age than fourth edition. And I kind of drew apart the curtains at that point and revealed that we were really playing mostly 13th age and we switched and have been playing that ever since. That's awesome. Now
0: I will say, I know, I know Mark, Mark is not a big fan of fourth edition, but I ran, I ran like (laughs) four or five campaigns of it. And I really enjoyed like everything about it. How the battles went together, how the characters went together. Uh, I had none of the issues that were were commented about online. You had so. to remember I did first edition. Well, that's second fair. edition. But you third, skipped fourth. Three five. Fourth came out and I was like, eh, I'm not buying any more rule sets. <laughs> that's fair.
1: So like we mentioned, uh Sherm. Sherman Tim are the publishers of the Escalation fanzine, um, but you mentioned Tim and you're talking through how you got introduced to Thirteenth Age. You mentioned the kind of the, the playtest version of Thirteenth Age, and it was also called Escalation. Is this the natural successor of that, or is it just coincidence that they're named the same thing?
2: Oh, that's a great question. No, the name came from the Escalation die we were uh, thinking about what are the things that really capture 13th age without being able to use 13th age in the title and icon had already be ta- been taken because there had been a previous short-lived fanzine called icon. And we said, well, the next most iconic, if you will, uh, thing in
1: 13th age is that escalation die. Excellent. So what is the escalation fanzine?
2: It's an opportunity to uh, give the community a chance to share their cool creations with each other. I've been part of the Google plus community, the, the Facebook group for years, and we have a really creative group, a DIY vibe that goes through the community and they would, post things in Google Docs or on Vault of the 13th Age. Uh, If you're not familiar with that, it's 13thage.org, is a site that somebody had created just to be able to put your own creations up there. And uh, there was actually somebody else in the community who said, uh, we need a fancy. We need a way to package this up and get that out there. And that's what escalation is. It can be intimidating to try to figure out how to get content into the hands of other gamers. So we handle the layout, the editing, the art, uh, how to distribute it, and that gives people the chance to kind of jump in and just be creative in the in the culture that we've built around 13th age.
0: I know you said part of it was the desire to kind of get the do-it-yourself content that's been up there. And I know that Vault of the 13th Age has spawned like uh, Mark Kay's books that have come out, kind of found their initial roots on Vault of the 13th Age, but what kind of pushed you to to make that step? To say hey we're gonna take this on we're gonna do this
2: the vault is awesome but there's a lot out there and i would also notice that there were questions in the community about what's the best version of warlock out there for example and we're not trying to solve that problem exactly but it was pointing out that it can be a challenge even if you are comfortable with homebrew content it can be tough to figure out what do i actually want to use Then uh, there's also the relatively common problem of I'm gaming and maybe I don't have an internet connection. Maybe I don't game with my laptop. It's a lot easier to print out a PDF than it is to go to web pages and try to maybe copy paste content. It's doable, but it could be much more of a a tough situation to get the right content in front of people via that kind of website. Mm. So they serve slightly different needs and I just wanted to help package things up. And I also want to make sure that I give a shout out to a guy named James who came up with the original idea to start Escalation. Uh, This was probably about mid-2017. He reached out on Google Plus for volunteers to help with Escalation. And it was actually his brainchild. And unfortunately, life got in the way of him being able to even uh, see the first issue all the way through. So he asked for others to step in and help with that. But I want to make sure we gave him a a quick shout out because the fanzine wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for him.
1: You said that it's uh, PDFs. Um, do you offer any sort of like print on demand or any other option like that? If for, for those who that do want a physical copy but may not have access to a good printer, Sherm, do you want
2: mind taking that one since you're more uh, the layout person?
3: Sure, sure. When we fir- when I first designed it, it did design it so it could be printed, and um, if you wanted to, but I think that it, it seems to be nowadays that most people are reading the PDF on screen. We really haven't set it up um, for print or print on demand.
0: Okay, is that something that
3: you you may want to do? I'm not too, I'm not too sure. Um, okay. that would start to get into having to you know delivery and, char- and perhaps charge money, which is something that we don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not I don't think that's going to be something that we're going to we're, we're going to do in the immediate future. But you never know.
0: That's fair, and I mean until then, you know. Kinko's and FedEx and Lulu. <laughs> and there are plenty of other print on demand locations for that. Sure, right. sure. So, if you're interested, <laughs> how do we find your articles? How do we get them?
2: The actual issues, you mean? Yes. So, you can find our issues. They're all linked to from a downloads link at the top of escalationfanzine.blogspot.com. That's the definitive spot to go and get escalation information. So like I mentioned, there's a downloads link at the top of the site. And that leads you to one page where you can download each issue. And like sure mentioned, they're all free.
0: Now, we'll put that in our show notes for for everybody. We'll put a link on there on, on the site as well. When you're going about kind of building on issue, I saw that you had uh, put out on like the Google Plus site when you were looking for Glorantha um, articles, like just a general call so, how do you normally get your articles? How does someone go ahead and submit an article? That sort of thing.
2: Well, around the time we're wrapping up each issue, I'll post a request for content for the upcoming issue, and I'll describe its theme, and I will put that out there on Twitter, on Facebook, on Google Plus. Uh, I just got a connected on Miwi as well, which seems to perhaps be the the next Google Plus, if you will, for the the RPG community, and certainly on the blogspot webpage that I mentioned. And some issues seem to resonate maybe a little bit more with people so that I never even have to make a second request. Sometimes there are gaps where we'd like to see a few more monsters or we'd sure love to have a short adventure. So I'll send follow-up requests. And again, I'll try to uh, kind of blanket social media with some requests for that as well to get in front of as many
3: eyeballs as possible. And let me throw out there that... um... Even though we have themes for each uh, each, each issue, um, please, uh, listeners, feel free to to send in whatever you have. If you have something that's interesting, it will make it will make it into an issue, if it's not now, into in the future. Awesome,
0: very cool. So we noticed that uh, your next theme is
2: Dungeons and the Underworld. When do you anticipate releasing that for those of us who want to read it? So I'm editing that issue right now, and I would anticipate that it'll probably be out in November or December.
0: Well, this, I don't think this episode's going to go live till November, December. So no pressure. No. So, I mean, that's perfect timing. So hopefully they'll drop at the same time.
1: (laughs) Now, assuming you do get a massive influx of fan submitted articles and monsters and NPCs or, or what have you, um, how, what's your filtering process for what gets included and what doesn't get included and, and kind of what I'm trying to, pull out of this is if one of our listeners is has a desire to submit something, um, what could they go ahead and start putting into it to kind of catch your attention and maybe get past that that review process?
2: Well, so far, we haven't rejected anything we received. So that's not to say that that could never happen. But I've been really happy with the content that we've received. It's been really quite the blessing that we've had just about the perfect amount of content for me to be able to continue to edit. Some things certainly need heavier editing than others, but it's all been super creative. And I've been more than happy to uh, make several passes if necessary to get something in because the idea there is so cool rather than reject something or say come back when it's better Uh, i'll take the time to work with the person so we'd have to uh if i don't know if things really take off and we get a lot more articles then maybe we'll have a a slush pile as it said as it's called and we'll have to be selective we're always looking for the things that are going to be the most helpful to the community, I want this stuff to get used at people's tables. Mm-hmm. So the advice to the GMs, the the new talents, the new monsters, the new magic items, the recommendations on uh, how did somebody create their version of the Dragon Empire? How is it different from everybody else's version? Those types of articles certainly pique my interest.
3: Yeah, I completely agree with what Tim said. Um, I think that the, where we stand now, it's the fan's on. So we're it's the, if a fan is interested enough to write something for publication, we're interested in putting it in, in the magazine. That makes I think perfect the only sense. Time, I think the only time we would ever say no to something would probably be if it was some kind of violation of an IP or something, something like that. Something we could not publish. But other than that, we're definitely uh, work with the person to get it get it in.
0: Very cool. So volume six is coming out here shortly looking back over the whole experience at this point, what has been your favorite part
3: of producing Escalation? I'll I'll go ahead and take that one first. Um, I, for me, it has been actually getting to sit down and design out something for uh, a role play. Um, I work, I'm a designer by trade and I work day to day on very conservative things. You know, most of them don't have dragons in them. So getting a chance to sit down and, and design out a piece uh, every couple of months is, is is a lot of fun. And I will probably say that the whole Skyfall, our module, was probably the most fun thing to put together so far for me. What about you, Tim?
2: I love getting the reports that the content has been useful. So mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the process. I try to manage it a little bit like software development. So we have kind of this Kanban style articles move from one folder to another to represent where they're at in the process. And my organizational mind uh, appreciates being able to overlay that structure uh, in, onto the creativity, if you will. Uh, but what I really like, the most rewarding part is when somebody contacts me and says, hey, I just played that adventure and it was a lot of fun. Or I just used that location and it really wowed the, my players. Uh, reports like that make it all worthwhile,
1: yeah, having that type of uh, that that feedback loop is always very much appreciated. you know, because it's it's one thing to have that intrinsic joy of creating something. Mm-hmm. but to know that it's uh, received and appreciated and used uh, is it's very rewarding.
0: yeah I think that's something we can we can definitely uh, empathize with.
1: So when you're looking uh, after November, December, or whenever volume six uh, drops, what sort of ideas or things are, would you be looking for for uh, future volumes? Just go ahead and wh- whet the appetite, if you will, for our listener audience to maybe have them start thinking about what they may want to contribute.
2: Well, the next issue that we're planning on is focused on deities and faiths that could be both in the Dragon Empire or a Dragon Pass or other parts of Glorantha. Uh, And so we'd love to get articles that answer questions like, how do GMs handle pantheons in their games? How do you, uh, do you borrow from real world examples from other settings? Have you created any divine monsters, classes, talents, magic items? A lot of that's left up to the GM in the books. And I suspect everyone has a slightly different way of doing it. And we'd love to get some feedback for the next issue
0: especially on the Glorantha side I'm, I'm always tempted to submit something I may have to to ponder Please. that one Please do Going on well so first of all so Skyfall your 13th age Glorantha adventure is going mm-hmm. to see play at my table this week I'm actually very excited about running it uh, awesome. so I will let you guys know how it goes Do you anticipate doing any more adventures as kind of parallel to Escalation
2: So the Skyfall adventure has been well received Uh, Rob and Jonathan let me know that they were excited to see a 13th age Glorantha adventure. So that certainly motivated us to at least consider future adventures like that. And actually we're working on another adventure set in Glorantha and I suspect that will go out after issue six and before issue seven.
1: If you need playtesters, you let me know. (laughs) Oh, great. I appreciate that. He's always looking for new ways to wreak havoc and pain and death upon his players. Or I give them opportunities understand. to wreck that upon themselves.
0: <laughs> Nick, Nick, you're just the guy at, at Home Depot who just keeps pulling on the chain and just <laughs> until you have enough to like hang your character with it. So.
2: What I would mention in upcoming issues of Escalation, mm-hmm. a couple other ideas that I'd like to see are adventure paths. Oh. Perhaps we could put together rather than one larger adventure and a special issue. If we could get somebody to to be dedicate their time to uh, several issues where they put in a piece of an adventure, that might be one idea. Uh, another thing mm-hmm. that I've been tossing around is the idea to dedicate an issue to the Midgard campaign setting from Cobalt Press. Uh, similar to the issue we created for Glorantha, we've got this dark, beautiful setting that Wolfgang Bauer created. And Cobalt Press has already released some 13th Age products for the mm-hmm. setting. And they have a generous community use license so i'd love to flesh that out more get some of the new content they've been doing with the argree forest and with the new world book for midgard where they've increased the timeline within the setting and get some of the 13th age stats and ideas for that as well
0: well i know and i know wade rocket is a big fan of that didn't wasn't his little adventure in that he did um the wreck of yeah, was, glory. Yeah, uh, the
2: wreck of Volun's glory yeah. which is a really fun adventure if it you've really never had the is. opportunity it's easily convertible to the dragon empire if that's still where you're running your game i have run it four or five times and each time it's completely different and he did a great job of making it clear to the gm where content can be cut i run it for anything as short as two hours into splitting it into two different sessions because it probably ran for about eight hours
1: well, uh, as you know, our mascot for the iconic podcast is the white dragon, and uh, part of it is because its history and its story is wrapped in mystery, and it's something that can always be fleshed out and is uh, you can be uniquely fleshed out at each different at each table. Um, so, if you have the answer at your table. In your Dragon Empire, uh, who is the White and what happened to it? So in my primary campaign,
2: the Wizard King and the Archmage of the First Age struck a deal that involved combining their magic to create wards that would prevent the destruction of the Empire. And one such ward is powered by the White, who's perpetually frozen at the bottom of a large lake. So her own power is keeping the lake frozen and keeping her in prison. She's not dead. She's kind of stuck down there, and that's powering this ward. And in return, the Archmage helped the Wizard King create the first Dracolich. And they claim that it was the undead White to prevent anybody from freeing the White and destroying that ward. And of course, the player characters have stumbled across this and are not sure what to do with the information right now.
1: There's, nice that's fantastic yeah and very evil <laughs> <laughs> kind of puts it akin to the great gold worm you know whose physical presence is necessary at that specific location in that place um to prevent the destruction of the dragon empire what about you sure yeah i drew
3: from that uh, my might sound slightly familiar um for my campaign which is has not actually come up but i saw the white dragon as having not always been the white dragon but have to have been a like, a, a gray dragon, or some other color, um, and it faced the wizard king. It uh, its one uh, greatest power of the uh, of the of the of the now white dragon was that it could see into the hearts and souls of people. And it saw that the wizard king was slowly being corrupted. Um, It attempted to uh, stop the wizard king before this happened, before the destruction that it could see that was going to come, um, was failed. And the wizard king stripped it a a great deal of its power, but also um, its color. Um, The the white dragon itself is still alive, but it fled uh, far to the north where it it cowers uh, in fear of uh of of what it sees uh the world becoming
1: i like that a lot too and you're at it i do recognize that because you you had submitted that for our um who's the white contest Mm. back in season one exactly yeah i did
0: well gentlemen thank you so much both for producing escalation which we all love and for coming on the show and just being willing to chat about it
2: oh thank you thank you i love what you do i'm so glad you're back Uh, thank you for that for making the time i know what kind of uh a time commitment, something like this can take. And I just wanted to express my appreciation for it.
3: Oh, well, thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for, for the, uh, for all of the fans out there who, who who contributed all that. Yeah. Uh, Really. We, we edit, we, we, we put it together, but they're the ones who wrote it and it's, it's it's great stuff.
0: Remember you can support the show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash iconic podcast, or you can use our Amazon referral link, which is found in the show notes
1: to do online shopping Well, you've been listening to the Iconic Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can contact us at iconicpodcast at gmail.com or call and leave a voicemail at 720-924-1706. And be sure to check out iconicpodcast.com for news,
0: updates, and new episodes. Thanks for listening.